second page. If you want to be turning to uh, Colossians chapter 4, that's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, but Paul was writing to the church there in Colossae, the Colossians, uh, because he had heard that they were facing pressure points. Pressure to compromise. Pressure to compromise with the gospel. Uh, some self-proclaimed smart people. Have you ever come across people like that? I know I have. Self-proclaimed smart people showed up at uh, uh, the church there in, in Colossae. And uh, they said, hey, you need to add a little bit to your worship. You need to sprinkle a little bit of this deity and you know, add a little bit of this and, and, and uh, include some of this. And then don't forget Judaism. They have special days on their calendar. Make sure that you incorporate those special days into your, your calendar as well. And then if you, you add all of that together, including what you're already doing, then you'll be complete. Then your spirituality will be whole, will be full. And the Apostle Paul heard that this was being taught to the Colossian church, and he would have none of it. He said, do not compromise. Don't give in. Don't listen to those people. Um, and, and, and so the first chapter, he's saying, don't compromise. Don't listen to them. Don't compromise. And then chapter 2, uh, he says, uh, uh, he makes much of Jesus. He says, look, look at who Jesus is. There's no rival. There's no equal, as we sang this morning, to his throne. There is no one like him. And so he just contrasts and compares um, Jesus to what they're being taught. And he said, there's no, there's no comparison. Jesus is uh, on a throne that has no rival at all. Don't compromise. And then in chapter 3, he basically said when that is true in your life, when, when, when uh, you allow the gospel roots to go deep, when, when uh, uh, you, you, you know the gospel, you believe the gospel, when Jesus is made much of in your life, um, then the, the result is that your relationships and the way that you see life is going uh, to change. They're going to be different than what the world has seen. All of those things are going to be different because of what the gospel is doing in your heart and in your life. The way that Jesus is being made much of in your life. There is going to be a difference in your life among the people that you build relationships with and the way you see the world. Well, this morning brings us to chapter 4, the last chapter of the book. And uh, the Apostle Paul is going to kind of give us a warning, kind of tap the brakes a little bit. Uh, not on what he's taught, but on our response to what he has taught. Um, he understands that, that um, he, he has taught us, don't compromise, don't compromise. And he makes, much, much, makes much, much of Jesus. And he knows that when we hear that, when we read that, we begin to apply that. There is a, um, uh, a move uh, away from that that can actually lead us in another ditch. The way I've explained it this morning is it's almost like we're on a road or on a bridge. And the Apostle Paul says we've got to stay on that bridge of life. And one of the, the things that we can do is go off into the ditch of compromise. We can compromise our faith. We can comp compromise our worship. But sometimes when we're headed off into the ditch of compromise, uh, the, the Holy Spirit or people bring that to our attention. We're going to talk about that a little bit here in a few minutes. Brings that to our attention and we overcorrect. And we actually uh, go into a ditch on the other side of the road um, that, that uh, the Apostle Paul this morning warns us against. He warns us against it. And that's the, the ditch of isolation. And he says, I, I, I don't want you to compromise. I want you to be different. You're set apart. And, and the, the natural tendency is for us to overcorrect and then to isolate ourselves. 
and, and, and you know, build a house and put a fence all the way around the house and then dig a moat outside of that because we don't want to rub up against people who have that, uh, that, that sickness of sin. And I definitely don't want my kids rubbing up against it because if that happens, they'll end up in a, the back of a truck two states away. They'll have no idea how they got there. And so you, the, that, that's our tendency. We want to we overcorrect and isolate ourselves from the, the place, the culture, the people that God has put into our lives. And the Apostle Paul warns against that. Don't go into either ditch. Don't compromise and don't isolate. Don't compromise and don't isolate yourself. To make sure you know that I'm not making this up, go to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to pick up the story in verse 5 of Paul's encouragement to the church to stay on the road, stay out of both ditches in this journey known as life. Verse 5 says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Well, who are outsiders? They are people that see the world differently than those who know Christ. They, they have a different worldview. They have different affections. They have uh, different passions. They, they see the world. They have the, the things that are important to them are not important to us as believers. If you know Christ this morning, you're here in here, you know Christ. Those that are outsiders see the world differently. Their, their affections, their desires are different than ours if we know Christ this morning. And the Apostle Paul makes the assumption, if you notice, he makes the assumption that you and I are going to be building friendships, rubbing shoulders with people who are outsiders. He doesn't say if you don't come across outsiders. Those that are outside of the faith. He says, uh, he makes the assumption, walk with wisdom uh, as you are rubbing shoulders with, building relationships with people whose worldview is different than ours. If you know Christ this morning. So he says, as you are going, as you are, are building relationships, as you are rubbing shoulders with people who see the world differently than you, walk with wisdom. Well, what does that mean? Well, he unfolds that. He kind of unpacks that in the following verses. Follow with me. Um, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. This literally means to buy up all the opportunities. So the Apostle Paul says, as you're going... And as you're building relationships with, with people who are outside of the faith, who see the world differently than you, who's, who um, their desires are different than you, I want you to buy up all the opportunities that you have uh, to, to have conversations with them, to build relationships with them. I, I want you to make the most. Don't waste any time. Don't waste any opportunities. Don't waste any conversations as you are building relationships with those who don't know Christ. Make the most of every opportunity that you have. Talk about things of faith. Sprinkle in. We're going to see that here in just a minute. Uh, the, the gospel as you're having conversations. No matter what it is about. Don't waste any time. Time is of the essence. Now I know whenever I say that. The response is this. Because I've been there before. It's easy for you to say Scott. I mean, you're, you're, you're supposed to talk about those things. You're supposed to bring up church and you talk about the Bible. Anytime you even bring up what you do for a living, it, it just naturally unfolds into conversations so that you don't waste every opportunity. To which I respond, I think it's different than you. I, I think it's easier for you. I, I really do. I think it's easier for you. Why? Because like I said, they expect me to talk about that stuff. 
I mean, you want to you want to make a conversation awkward fast. Bring up what I do first. <laughs> I've told this story before, but I was on a an airplane a few years ago. I was by myself flying back to, uh, flying back to Texas. This when we were, my, my, we were transitioning to to Missouri, and I was on an airplane, and I was sitting next to a guy, and uh, it was an hour and a half flight or so. And for the first hour and fifteen minutes, I mean, he just talked. It was an easy conversation. I just sat there. He talked and talked and talked. He talked about his, his uh, child. And, uh, uh, he talked badly about his child's mom. And I mean, just going on and on about her. And just talking negatively about her, using language that was just uh, made me blush, honestly. Uh, and, and he's just going on and on and on. And I'm not joking. When the, a pilot came on over the, the loudspeaker and said, hey, we're about to land, get ready to land, he turned to me and he said, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And I thought, well, it's about time. I mean, come on. And no. I, I, I said, yeah, I've got, I've got one child before we had Molly Kate. And uh, my wife, and we're moving to Missouri and all this. And uh, he said, well, what do you do? And I thought, well, it's about to get weird here. Um, and I said, I'm, I'm a pastor. And he goes, I really am a good guy. <laughs> well, you spent the last hour and a half telling me you're not. But that's all right. Um, no, I, it just got awkward. Like it's, it, my point is, it's easier for you. Like, it's easier for you. And yet, the Bible doesn't give either of us an out. It doesn't give either, it doesn't give either of us an out. It says, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, when you're rubbing up against people who don't, rubbing shoulders with people who don't know Christ, make the most of every opportunity. I am expecting you to build friendships, relationships with those outside of the faith, and take uh, the time, make the most of every opportunity that you have with them. Don't waste a day. Don't waste the day. He goes on. Make the most, or make uh, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. Now, if this was in the modern day vernacular, Paul would probably say, "Church, watch your mouth. Watch." Your mouth. Now, I don't think what he is talking about here is uh, that we're not supposed to, to cuss like sailors. Now, I think that's probably a good thing, um, but, but that's not what Paul is getting at here. Here's what he's saying. When you're talking around, specifically, around people that don't know Christ, are you, are you hateful? Is your, is your uh, language filled with anger? Um, or, or does your mouth encourage or promote gossip? Are you constantly pointing out everything that is wrong with people and, and how they are not measuring up to this uh, grade or, or this, this standard that you have set in your own mind? Or are you being gracious? Are, are you talking, uh, are, are you positive? And not, not, not in a uh, uh, just uh, everything is swell and good kind of way, but I'm talking about uh, are you regularly talking about the grace that God has given in your life, that he has poured out on you every breath you take is God's grace to you. And do people that are outside of the faith, uh, that, that, are, that live outside, uh, see the world different than us? We know Christ. Would they say that that's what you talk about? Those are the things that are important for you to bring up. Let your speech always be gracious. I put it here. Are you rude or short? Are you regularly turning over who your friends are. Like they, they like you when they first get to know you, but after a while they just can't stand to be around you anymore. Do your friends regularly turn over? 
is your speech, especially when those that don't know Christ are around, is your, is your speech filled with grace. Seasoned, he goes on, seasoned with salt. Now, when I read this, I thought it was going to be talking about preser pre being preservatives. The Bible talks about that. Back in the Bible times, they didn't have refrigerators, so they would put salt on, on food to preserve it. And the Bible uses that analogy sometimes um, for us as believers. But every commentator said he's probably talking a little bit about that. That's not his main aim here. <clears throat> Excuse me. When he says seasoned with salt, here's what I put. Paul is, is saying here, let your talk, no matter what the topic is, be a testimony of God's goodness and glory and grace in your life. In other words, no matter what is going on, no matter what the topic is, no matter what you're talking about, no matter what the subject, you could be talking about uh, kids, you could be talking about sports, you could be talking about the arts, you could be talking about TV, no matter what it is, I want you... Believers, followers of Christ, to sprinkle the gospel into that conversation. Now, he's not suggesting that we do it in an awkward or weird sort of way. He's not asking us to get awkward with our conversations. Like if somebody's talking about exercise, you don't need to say the exercise I do is walking with the Lord. Like, that's weird. <laughs> Alright? He doesn't want us to do that. In fact, this idea of being seasoned with salt means to, to sprinkle the gospel in a witty, compelling gracious sort of way. Like we just, in a witty sort of way, I want you to sprinkle the gospel in a witty, smooth, comfortable way. We are uh, weaving uh, gospel truths into any conversation that we have. I mean, we're just, we're, you got, you, this doesn't happen passively. We've got to actively be looking, okay, uh, how can I weave what is most important into my life? Now, um, when people hear this outside of the faith, sometimes they'll go, that's a little bit manipulating. I'm not sure I'm buying that. I don't even like that you would weave, no matter what the conversation is, you're going to weave the gospel in. So here's how I would reply. Here's how, how I would reply to that. Whatever is most important in your life, you regularly bring up in conversations. I have never once talked to a new grandparent that did not bring up their grandbabies in conversation. Why? Because that is what is most important to them at that time. Like their heart is uh, filled to overflowing about the goodness of this new grandbaby. I've never met a person who loves sports, loves the Astros right now. If you, you meet somebody who loves the Astros right now, what are they going to talk about? They're going to talk about uh, the World Series and how they just won. I mean, people talk about what is most important to them. They weave it into conversations. I mean, sometimes I'm having a conversation about food, and all of a sudden baseball gets brought up. I'm like, where did that come from? Why? Because that's what's most important. That's what they're thinking about. That's what's on their heart. That's what's on their mind. We all do it. We all do it. And the Apostle Paul is saying, the gospel is your aim. The gospel is your goal. If, if telling people is what fills your heart to overflowing, then it's just going to weave its way into conversations. It's going to weave its way into your conversations. Because that is what you're passionate about. He goes on. So that, seasoned with salt, so that... You may know how you ought to answer each person. 
Now, I, I, I love learning ways to share the gospel with people. Uh, but, but when you have kind of a, uh, a formula or a predetermined way, um, sometimes it misses opportunities. Here's why. Because the, the Apostle Paul says that we have to know how to, how to answer each person. Each person is unique. Their, 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 their uh, dreams are unique. Their desires are unique. Are unique. Their passions are, are unique. And the Apostle Paul has kind of uh, laid this out that if you're building relationships with people, if you're rubbing shoulders and you're looking for opportunities to share the gospel so that you don't waste any days, you don't waste any of those conversations, then you're going to know how to push their buttons when it comes to sharing the gospel. You're going to know what makes them tick. You're going to know what they're passionate about. You're going to know how to weave that conversation towards or move that conversation, weaving the gospel into it. And every person is unique. Let me give you three kinds of people, just very general people that I've come across before when, when it comes to sharing the gospel with them. The first one is a church person. Like they go to church, they know when to sit down, or maybe they went to church growing up. They know when to sit down, they know when to stand up, they know all the right answers. But they don't know the Jesus that is worshipped. And sharing the gospel with them can be very difficult. Because anything that you bring up, any conversation that you have, they already know the answer to. And so you're going you're gonna to share the gospel with them in a unique way. You're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom. Um, it, it, a unique wisdom so that you can have a conversation with a person who already knows all the right answers, but they've rejected the one who is worshipped. There's another kind of person I've come across, a skeptical person. That can be a uh, uh, maybe an atheist or ag agnostic. And they're just skeptical. Like they, uh, I, don't, I don't believe in, 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 in uh, religion or, or faith because I, I believe in science. You've come across people like that before probably. And, and uh, one of the things that I love about my home group is um, there's a couple people in there that are regularly having conversations with skeptics. And we, we'll talk about it. How was your conversations this week? Did you have any? How did it go? Uh, what questions were you asked? How did you answer it? How would you have answered it? You know, we have those conversations regularly. And, and um, you answer a skeptic different than you do a church person. Like you, uh, they're, uh, they're, their uh, worldview is different. The way that they, they their, their skepticism is different. And so uh, pointing out, no matter what you believe, you have a faith. Like whether you, you believe uh, in, in Christ, you place your faith in him, or you place your faith in something else. And all of us believe things that we cannot prove. We all have a faith. And so you share that with a skeptic. Different than you do people that, that don't have that background or don't come to the gospel from that perspective. A third person is just a good person. Just a good person. Like they're, they're just good. And, and, but they don't. They, they have not placed their faith and their trust in Christ. Their sin has not been forgiven, and they're, they're, um, uh, they don't even see their need for it. They're probably many of these people uh, financially stable. Uh, they have raising kids that are that make straight A's. They just don't understand their need for the gospel. We have people in our family. Mary Jo and I have people in our family who are like this: stable financially, raising successful, good kids, just good people. But they don't know Jesus. I mean, I want them as my neighbor. I'll, I trust them with my mail. Those are the kind of people I'm talking about. But, but I want to weave, how do I, how do I weave the, the gospel into conversations with people who don't even believe they have a need for it? And that's different than you do with a skeptic. It's a completely different conversation. 
And the, the Apostle Paul says that we have to be on our toes as followers of Christ. We have to be on our toes when we're, when we're building relationships with people to share with them in a unique way according to each person, the Bible says. He goes on from there and he tells us, this is, this is our aim. So how do we do it? How do we, how do we stay out of the ditch of, of, uh, 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 of isolation? And, and, and uh, how do we stay out of, the, out of the, the other ditch where we compromise? How do we, how do we live life so that we make the most of every opportunity? Well, in the following verses, 7 through 18, the Apostle Paul gives us uh, an idea of, of uh, his life and how he, his aim remains the same. What is most important in, in his life, making the gospel known, how he's challenged to remain steadfast in making that, uh, bringing that about in his life, making the gospel known to people who have never heard it or have rejected it. The, the Apostle Paul gives us uh, an idea of how to stay out of both of those ditches in the following verses. I'm just going to read all the way through because I promise we'll be out of time. Tychicus, verse 7, will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent you, or sent him to you, for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and, how, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Uh, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, in other words, not Jesus the Messiah, a different guy. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in prayer, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nypha uh, and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see um, that you also read the letter uh, from Laodicea. He wrote a letter to Laodicea, and he wanted them to switch letters. Verse 17. And say uh, to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be to you. The Apostle Paul runs through a group of guys that are in his inner circle. They are, they are the ones that are closest to him. And notice how he explains them. He does not say that I run with a group of just good guys. He doesn't say, um, uh, Tychicus. Now that is a sharp man right there. I mean, he's a, he's a good, hard worker. That Tychicus, he, he's a good guy. He doesn't say Onesimus. Now that guy loves the Chiefs. Like he doesn't say that about him. He doesn't say that they're just good guys. What does he say? He says, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Now I looked this guy up last night. And, and let me tell you a little bit about his life. Tychicus carried the offering from Asia to the needy Christians in Jerusalem and Judea. You might remember from uh, the first century uh, when the, the uh, gospel was beginning to spread. There was great persecution on the early believers. 
I mean, great persecution. So much so that they sent word out to people out uh, surrounding the area of Jerusalem and said, hey, we need help. We are about to die here. We are being persecuted so badly. And, and the famine is hitting us so hard. And so they raised an offering uh, in the surrounding areas up in Asia. And um, this guy, Tychicus, brought it back and saved their lives in many cases. Not only that, but he's the one, Tychicus is the one who carried the letter from Paul to the Ephesians. I mean, this guy was, was um, uh, just passionate about one thing, and that was making the gospel known and caring for believers. I mean, that was his, his singular focus. This guy was ferociously desirous to see the gospel spread. It was his one aim in life. Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother. Onesimus was a slave owner. Or was a slave owned by a believer in Colossae. So the, he was actually a slave. He broke free and he went to Rome. When he got to Rome, he met Paul, heard the gospel, and, and uh, placed his faith and his trust in Christ. And then began to labor beside Paul for the sake of the gospel. Paul actually sends him back to Colossae. Um, and, and you can read the rest of his story in the book of Philemon. Philemon is actually the slave owner. Onesimus was the slave. And this guy was a faithful and beloved brother. His focus was singular. He was passionate about one thing. And that was making the gospel known. Aristarchus. Most theologians and commentators believe that he legally made himself a slave to Paul. Legally made himself a slave to Paul. And the result is that this, this brother finds himself showing up on the scene every time Paul is in a bad place. I mean, shipwreck, the storms uh, beginning to, to um, uh, drown people. I mean, they're, they're right on the edge of survival. And guess who's right next to Paul? Aristarchus. When, when Paul is in prison, and then he's in prison again, and he's in prison again. Guess who is next to Paul? Being put into uh, a jail for the exact same reason that Paul is being in prison. Aristarchus. He says, my fellow prisoner greets you. This guy was in prison for the same exact reason that Paul was in prison. I mean, he was passionate about one thing. He even gave up his freedom so that he could be singular focused on one thing. Making the gospel known. These guys were ferociously moving towards making the gospel known to people who had never heard it before or had rejected it and taking care of believers every place they went. And that was Paul's inner circle. That was who Paul surrounded himself with. That was who he was closest to. And when those guys are around Paul, there was no chance that he was ever going to compromise. They would not allow it. And, and Paul wasn't going to allow it in their life either. I mean, this was a, a reciprocal relationship. I mean, it went both ways. They were never going to compromise, and then they were never going to be isolated from the world. They were going to build relationships with people who were outside of the faith. And that's the book of Colossians. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word.
I pray that you would be uh, challenging us, that you would be speaking to our hearts this morning. Thank you for the book of Colossians and how it's challenged us in the last several weeks. I pray that we are different because in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.